0: Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 11.
1: Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis, and we're going to be talking about horses that bolt and run away.
0: (laughs) That's right, Laura. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Very good. Thank you. Laura We've had a listener that's uh, sent some things into us. And one of the questions that she had was about horses that bolt and run away. And what are the best techniques for handling horses that have a tendency to bolt or run away when when they're either fearful or to use her word or just being ornery? First of all, you know, you know me. I like to try to look at everything from a different perspective. and, And I really believe in something I've learned a long time ago, that in order to effect a cure, you first have to find the cause so we need to analyze for a moment, what are some of the reasons or for the, so the causes, if you will, for some of our horses to bolt away from us? And uh, once we kind of understand that, then it makes it easier for us to go back and retrain those. So let's think about it. What, what would be some possible reasons the horses would have, want to bolt away or run away? And the reality is, is that that's just their natural instinct to do. We're very blessed that they just want to bolt away and not bolt away and buck with us also. So we have to realize that a horse wanting to get away from us or getting away from some sort of pressure or some sort of other stimulus is just a very natural thing for them to do. The thing is, it becomes only scary when we happen to be on a horse when he's doing that or at the end of a lead rope with a horse that chooses to do that. So we have to just realize, number one, they're just doing something that's natural. And then the other thing is, is that once we do realize they are doing something natural to keep them from doing it, what do we need to do? And that in lies, the hard part. Well, I kind of look at it a couple of different ways. If it's a natural thing for the horse to want to bolt away when something worries them or they're un- under undue stress or or um, they're really worried or under pressure and they want to bolt away, we have to not only just recognize the fact that it's natural, but we have to realize too that that's... Uh, it, because it's instinctual to them, we have to kind of retrain the horse to not do what's the natural thing. We talked about this in a previous episode, but to kind of retrain them to become responders as opposed to reactors.
1: And what do you mean by that? You've said that a few times in past episodes. And that's-
0: well, A response is something that's learned. A reaction is something that's more instinctual. Okay. So it, it's, it's almost something that's very instantaneous. It's done almost without thought a response is something that's done with thought. So we have to realize that in order for us to change how a horse reacts into a horse that responds, we have to kind of create situations for them so that we can retrain them. And what I mean by that is that let's take a horse that uh, maybe has a tendency to be a little bit frightened of some things, a little bit spooky, or the type of horse that just wants to use the bolting away as a way to be evasive. And we have to understand, again, if, if that's a natural thing, then maybe we have to kind of recreate those scenarios the best way we can. And we can recreate those several different ways. And I'm not talking about the extreme version of such, but maybe some smaller versions. And anybody that's ever watched me start a cult under saddle would know that if I just walked out there with a, with a flag in my hand and started waving it around, probably a young horse that's fairly fearful, the first thing they're going to want to do is bolt away. So what I might do in that situation is I might have a horse that's at the end of a lead rope and I'd wave the flag or do whatever it is that's going to cause that horse to have some sort of adverse reaction. But when he bolts away, I'm not going to quit waving the flag. I'm going to keep waving the flag and keep doing whatever it is that I'm doing that caused the horse to bolt away in the first place. And I'm going to keep doing it until the horse realizes that bolting did not get the flag to go away. It didn't get the stimulus to go away. It It didn't make the problem go away. That instead, what's going to make the problem go away is when the horse does what I want it to do, which is stop and look toward me and react in a different way, a more positive way. And when that happens, again, if we understand how horses learn, they learn through the release of pressure. In this case, what was the pressure? What was the stimulus that caused the horse to bolt away in the first place? It was the flag. That's right. So if I create that scenario again to where I'm waving the flag and the horse bolts, and then when the horse stops, I quit waving the flag and I take the flag down and make the flag less offensive, less worrisome, less stressful to the horse. Then at that point in time, you can almost see wheels turning in the horse's mind going, wow, I quit running and that thing quit. And that's exactly what I want. I want this horse to think for a moment. And then I want to recreate that moment again. So I might wave my flag. And let's say the first time I waved the flag, uh, in in a controlled environment, let's say we're in a round pen and I do that. And the horse runs around the round pen like crazy for say 10 laps around the round pen before it finally slows down. And maybe even before the, it stops its feet and turns and looks at me at that moment in time. And I take that flag away. I'm measuring that. You remember on a previous episode, we talked about the four questions, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then those four very important questions. Like number one, what do I want? Well, I want the horse in this case, just to stand still whenever something worries it and spooks it. In other words, spook in place. I don't want him to bolt away. I just want him to stand still. And at that point in time, if I wave the flag and the and the horse moves away, did I get what I want? No. But I've also got to ask myself that second question. Is it what I want fair? In other words, can a horse stand still, even though stuff is going all around? Well, think about your New York City police departments, police horses. There's sometimes, you know, firecrackers going off, cars backfiring, buses going by, all sorts of things. And sometimes we call that bombproof. These horses are just bombproof. Gee, I wonder how they got that way. Were they born that way? Probably not. They were probably exposed to various stimulus and just learned to acknowledge those things and accept them and stay in place.
1: It sounds like what you're describing there, the first step in what you're doing is, you actually let the horse do what came naturally to it. You let it run off. To a certain degree. To, a, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, in a confined space, whether in a round pen or at the end of a lunge line or something. But you, you let it do what its instinct told it to do, but then kept going till it figured out that that didn't solve the problem. Right. Okay. And
0: that's exactly right. You know, for example, if I do that thing with a flag and i and here's the thing, I mean, as soon as I say, well, I just let the horse run around the round pen, I promise you there's somebody out there somewhere saying to themselves, well, that won't work with my horse because I have an Arabian and they've got all this endurance. And and they just, just run, run forever. forever. That's right. <laughs> and the reality is that, you know what, just keep it up. And I promise you, this horse is going to run out of gas sooner or later. And when it does, you just want to take that flag away. Don't and, you
1: think that sometimes we we run out of gas before they do? That yep. we <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I got the right answer.
0: <laughs> and that's exactly what happens is that we, we in turn up. we give up too early and we think, Oh, that just never gonna work. And then what happens is the horse learns from that. So the horse says, wow, you really want to be able to run around this round pen nine and a half laps? I was just about to stop at ten. But if you want me to go nine and a half, okay, I'll go nine and a half. So the next time we do it, now we're going to think, you know, I'm going to be more determined this time. I'm going to, I'm going to do it until my horse stops, but we do it. And now all of a sudden the horse is thinking, you know what? I went to nine and a half and this guy's still waving the flag, but I know that's what they want because that's what they wanted last time. So what does the horse do this time? He goes 10 laps, 12 laps, 14 laps. So then what do we do? We give up again. And And so the the horse
1: has trained us to quit doing it.
0: Right. So, and which is basically what I tell people, part of my training philosophy is I want the horse to train me to leave it alone. Hmm. You see, so I want the horse to feel that empowered, but only on the lesson that I want the horse to learn. You see, now in this case, if we do it the way we're just talking about there, the horse is going to keep getting better at getting worse. Hmm. So what we have to do is we have to faith that it's going to work. And let's just look at mother nature. Again, we talked about the horse bolting away as a natural thing. Horses have a great big set of lungs. They have some very powerful muscles, and the problem is, is that those powerful muscles require a lot of oxygen and a lot of energy. So, by nature, a horse can usually bolt away and run for anywhere between an eighth of a mile to a quarter of a mile. And they can be trained and endured to do better than that. But on most horses, are going to bolt away for about an hour, or I'm sorry, for about an eighth of a mile or so, and then they're going to stop as if they'll turn around, and looking around. What the heck was that? Hmm. Now, that's the way a lot of wild animals are that are built similar to horses. They're built for speed, but they don't have a lot of tremendous endurance, only just enough endurance to outdo most predators, which in this case is usually about an eighth of a mile or or a quarter of a mile or so. So the horses will run that far and then stop and then look. So what we want to realize is, is that whenever they do stop and look, us being the predator in this case, a simulated predator with a stupid bag in their hand waving it around like a madman, but causing the horse to bolt, if you will. And then the minute this horse stops, we want to take the pressure away. Now it doesn't always have to be, and again, if anybody's ever seen one of my round pen demonstrations, it doesn't always have to be loose in the round pen either. I can have them at the end of a lead rope and I can find that comfort zone to where the horse will tolerate me providing some sort of stimulus that may cause the horse to be a little bit worried flinch and move away. And again, it might be a bag at the end of a stick or it might be a a tarp in my hand or anything like that that could just cause the horse a little bit of anxiety. And what I'm looking for is for this horse to have some sort of adverse reaction at first. In other words, want the horse to kind of semi-protect itself and bolt away. But yet the minute the horse thinks, in other words, I want to reward the thought of him standing still, then I'll take that flag away. And again, I just want to see these wheels turning in the horse's eyes going, wait a minute, I didn't run. And when I didn't run, that stimulus stopped. In other words, now we're teaching the horse that standing still works every bit as good as bolting away.
1: Because if the horse eating bag keeps chasing me as long as I run, but it stops chasing me when I stop at some point, they're going to make that connection. Absolutely. Have you ever had one that didn't?
0: Never. Okay. And I've, you know. Again, I hate to say this because nobody ever believes it, but it's literally thousands of horses. I've never had one that didn't quite figure it out. Although I've also had horses and I own one. You know, a lot of people are familiar with my gilding scooter, probably been one of the spookiest horses I've ever worked with in my life. And yet when people see him, they don't believe it. But yet if you really watch him, whenever something startles him, he'll flinch, but he does it so subtly and he does it with it's oftentimes nothing more than just an eye response or an ear movement and that's about it but years and years and years of me working with him he's learned to spook in place for lack lack of a better term he's learned not to bolt he's going to recognize the fact that something startled him he's going to resist the temptation to jump or to bolt away and that just takes time that just takes a lot of time and persistence for him to learn to gain confidence in me that if I didn't run he didn't need to run but again it's a slow process now all of that just leads up to the horse that's bolting and people aren't usually afraid of it unless we're on their backs. Right? So let's think about, well, what do you do when you're riding a horse and he's a bolter? He's one of these horses that wants to bolt away and run away. Well, first of all, uh, we need to re- recognize that fact that that's, that horse's tendency, retrain it in a safer environment, what I call a controlled wreck. In other words, in the round pen on the ground on the lunge line teach the horse that certain things are going to happen and that bolting is not a good option. Not that it's not a bad option for the horse. It's just not a good option. A better option is to save your energy, think and respond rather than react. But now once we're on their back, we want to also practice on situations that, uh, that may cause the horse to bolt anyway, something that's going to overcome the horse's new learned response and uh, that's going to counteract the horse's tendency and natural instinct to bolt. So one of the best ways to stop that is what a lot of folks refer to as the one rein stop. And and what the one rein stop is, I don't want people to think that, oh, the one rein stop, I've seen that on TV or I've seen that on videos. I've seen this in other things. Oh, so I know how to do that. So as long as I know how to do that, then I can prevent these horses from potentially bolting away. The reality is though, Laura, is that it's not just the one rein stop. It's the teaching the horse how to respond to the one rein stop. And I want people to very much understand that because I have had horses try to bolt away with me and yet I've had their nose pulled around and their nose practically in my lap and they're still running off with me. That to me is even more dangerous than a horse that's been free to bolt away. The reason why is now that I've got his nose wrapped around and almost in my lap and he's still running.
1: Can't see where he's going. Can't
0: see where he's going. Um, oftentimes that scares them even worse because they're at such a bent angle. Now we also run the risk of the horse stumbling and falling, which to me is even more dangerous than the horse again, just bolting off in the first place. So what we have to do is again, in a controlled environment, we want to work on the one rein stop. We want to work on teaching the horse to be very soft laterally with his face, learning to respond to the bit or the bozzle or whatever it is that you're riding the horse with, but learn to respond to those very easily laterally. And what I mean by laterally is, is that at a standstill, I want the horse to learn to bend and flex his nose around to the right, bend and flex his nose around to the left. I want to be able to get this horse to do that with this, almost the slightest of pressure from me to get the horse to soften up and bend his nose around to both sides. The next thing, once I've got the horse to where it's literally mastered that uh, and done so on a very, very soft touch, then the next thing I want to do is I want to teach the horse to let me have his hindquarter What I mean by that is, let's say I bend his nose to the right. If his nose is bent to the right, which way is his hindquarter most likely to go? I'll just ask you that question. If I bend his nose to the right, which way is his hindquarter most likely to go? You got it? To the left? To the left, absolutely. So if I bend his nose to the right, his hindquarter is going to want to have a tendency to go to the left. And why? Because the horse's body has a tendency to want to be straight. So if the horse really has a desire to be straight, if I bend his nose to the right, and then he, by nature, wants to be straight. He's going to kick his hips around to the left. He wants to take his hind quarter to the left. But I can also encourage that by putting my right leg in his rib cage and asking the horse to purposely move his hips to the left. So I've been his nose to the right, put my right leg on his rib cage back toward the rear cinch and his hips kick off to the left. The very second that the horse softens up and gets straight again, I'm going to release both cues, release my leg. And then release my hands. The reason I want to do that is I want the horse to understand that when you give me what I want, I give you what you want. And what I want him to feel is that relief in being straight again. So once I get the horse to remasters the softness to his nose and then masters the movement of his hips, both directions, mind you, I want the horse to be able to go both sides equally then I'll do so at a walk. In other words, I'll make the horse walk out while he's walking. I'm going to pick up with my right rein, bend his nose to the right, send his hips to the left. I'm going to hold that until the horse comes to a stop. The very second the horse comes to a stop, I let both cues go, meaning that I let go with my right hand and I take my right leg off his ribcage and I let the horse be straight and stand and relax. And we do that until he masters that at a walk, both directions. The next thing I'll do is graduate to a trot And do the same thing at a trot. Eventually, I'll get to the point where I can lope the horse and do the exact same process from a canter. And then one of these days, I'll be out there just riding my horse, doing what I call mindless riding. In other words, I'm just out there loping around in the arena, just loping around out in the pasture. And without any warning whatsoever to the horse, I'm just going to reach down and do a one-range stop. And I want to measure to myself how quickly and how easily and how softly and how much under control did the horse stop his feet and relax. And you see, now I'm just, I'm conditioning this horse. I'm trying to get this conditioned response. In other words, here's your cue. This is what I need you to do. And it's all done very quietly, very calmly. So I want this to be so deeply ingrained in the horse that he's no longer thinking about anything. He's just, re, he's just relaxing and responding to the very obvious cues that I make. Now, not only is this really good exercise for the horse, it's also a very good exercise for me. Because what usually happens when a horse is frightened by something out in the field or out in the pasture and the horse has that tendency to bolt. And especially if we know that this horse has had the previous uh, tendency to bolt, then what's our first reaction? The horse gets ready to bolt and flinches and we grab the bit with both hands. We pull back and we start screaming, Whoa! And we do all this stuff, which in turn startles the horse more, which gives him more incentive to run and bolt away from the crazy woman. That's on his back yelling at him. So as the horse is trying to bolt away we have to realize that it's us now that is also contributing to his bolting. Mm-hmm. So the exercises that we talked about previously aren't just for the horse's sake. It's for our sake. We have to learn to retrain our bodies and retrain our minds to very quickly respond and reach down and pick up a rein. Doesn't matter if it's a left rein or right rein. Pick up that rein, bend the horse's nose around, asking to move those hips out and disengage that hind quarter. And the very moment that he does, no matter how spooky the situation may seem to you or the horse, the very minute this horse, or the very second, in fact, this horse relaxes and gets his body nice and straight, we want to let him go.
1: It sounds like it needs to become automatic because oh. because it's counterintuitive, because it's not natural for us, because at least for me, and I'm not the best gauge for this. But when something unexpected happens, my brain shuts off and I I can't think what to do next. And so what you're saying is practice this enough that you don't have to think it's muscle memory. Your body just does it.
0: Exactly. And, you know, and that's the thing is that people want to know the magic trick. But the question is, I could tell you the magic trick a thousand times over, but if you don't practice it, you're not going to use it in a moment of crisis. You know, and I'm going to say this in all tribute and all respect to our soldiers serving overseas. Do you think they just put them in boot camp, send them off in a war situation, and what do they do while they're in boot camp? They train, they train, they train, and they train them to the point when they go off and they face these real life, life-threatening situations that make that bolting horse seem like a piece of cake. But they train these guys to the to the point to where when that situation occurs, they no longer think, they respond, and they just react in a in a positive way that gets them out of that negative situation as quickly and as safely as possible. So we have to think in terms that we want to practice these things in the optimal situation so that we're in the less desirable situation. Those things come to us almost instinctively as if that's replaced our natural thing now that we've got ourselves and our horses trained to the point where when something really does go wrong, we know how to handle it. We can handle it calmly and efficiently. And that's what we have to really focus on. It's not just knowing that we've got the magic pill in our in our saddlebags. It's knowing that we've got that magic pill between our ears and we can respond in such a way that keeps it calm and quiet and controllable and predictable for us, keeps it calm, quiet, controllable and predictable for our horses as well.
1: Other than just a situation where something startles a horse, are there other reasons why horses might take off or, you know, I I don't. Remember what the whole question was that the listener asked but
0: there's a lot of different reasons you know and I wish we could list them all but you I mean we don't always know what's going on in a horse's head but the things that I've seen and I've witnessed is usually it's it's a, a startled response you know or, you know the horse reaction to something startling it and then the other thing is that we become Fuel to the fire. You know, the horse may startle at something legitimate, let's say a car backfiring on the street. That may be just enough to cause the horse to flinch and, and maybe take a few jump steps to one side or the other. Maybe just bolt straight ahead one way or the other. But it's our reaction after that that either adds to that situation or defuses that situation. So we have to, again, work on our own training. But there's also some things where I've seen horses bolt away from the riders because they've had all they can stand. For example, I watched a young lady doing barrel racing and she just did the barrel race on this horse as she was practicing. And she just went over and over and over and over again. The horse had become very fatigued, very tired and really had all of it. he could stand. And then when she asked the horse to turn, the horse didn't turn. Instead, it just pulled away from her and literally took off running around the arena. The little girl was pulling back for all she was worth. And she just couldn't get the horse to stop. And she basically just had to wait for the horse to run out of gas. She was very fortunate the horse didn't you know, crash a fence or run out the out gate. She just basically had to wait for the horse to settle down and quit running and quit bolting with her. But what she didn't realize is, of course, when she stepped off the horse, she complained to her father that, oh, my horse just went crazy. The reality is she didn't realize that she had caused every moment of it. Everything from being the cause and the instigator of the horse was having enough and felt like there was no other answer other than just running. But then when the horse did bolt away, she had no skills whatsoever to get the horse to stop running, which would have been, in my opinion, in this case, pulling one rein or the other or even turning the horse into the fence, anything at this stage other than just let the horse just run amuck like it did. So we have to understand, too, that the natural things out there for a horse to spook at, unnatural things for horses to spook at. But the last thing we want is we want to be the cause of it ourselves by overworking a horse or just getting the horse to the point where they just don't feel like there's any other thing to do other than bolt away.
1: And so, again, it comes back to the idea that it's not just about getting our horses trained, but it's training ourselves and, and educating ourselves and becoming better horsemen and horsewomen so that we're not contributing to the problem. And sadly, probably often we do contribute to the problem if if we're not actually the, the cause of it to begin with.
0: Well, another thing I want to address is that we don't want to be the cause of it, but we also don't want... Like I said earlier, to be the fuel to the fire. And oftentimes, even not practicing the one rein stop properly or not applying it properly can also cause an adverse reaction. Remember, it's to calm and quiet a horse and to stop his feet. But we don't want to do it in such a way that it's not a reward for the horse. And what I mean by that is let's say that something startles a horse and gets ready to bolt away. We reach down very quickly, very abruptly with our hand, and we Mm. snatch the horse in the face, and we try to pull its head around.
1: And bang the bit.
0: We bang the bit in the horse's mouth. And again, if we understand, like we mentioned in previous episodes, if we understand the stages of death from a horse's perspective, one of those stages of death is having their face attacked. Okay, So if whatever startled the horse caused the horse to want to bolt, we reach around and we jerk on that horse's face. Now whatever just startled him, Really got a hold of his face, so it may even cause him to bolt more, or bolt and begin to buck at the same time, which is a pretty hopeless situation for us at that case. So what we have to do is we have to reach down, make contact with the horse's face, and then pull the horse's nose around very firmly. And I don't, and I tell people always be as firm as necessary and as light as can be, but don't ever snatch and jerk a horse because if you could just imagine your dentist, you know, snatching and jerking metal tools around in your mouth it's not a very comfortable situation for us. And yet we've got to realize that if you're riding your horse with a bit or if you're riding with your horse with any sort of object obstacle around their face, you know, such as a bozal, uh, you know, a, a bit, like I mentioned, or uh, mechanical hackamores, all sorts of different things that if we snatch those things and we jerk them pretty hard, there's going to be a big surprise and a big jerk on that horse's face and it hurts and it hurts. Yeah. So we don't want the pain to contribute to the fear. So the best thing for us to do is reach down, make make contact with that rein or that bed or whatever that case may be, and then pull around as firmly as necessary to get the horse to get his nose around and to dis- disengage the hips. But yet at the same time, remember to do so as quietly and as smoothly as you can, but as firmly as necessary.
1: Which is, I don't know, maybe not as easy as it sounds because at the, at all this time, you're not sitting in a nice, comfortable chair. You're on a horse that's moving and maybe you know if your balance isn't as good as it ought to be i wonder how many times i've jerked more than i should have just because i i was off balance in the saddle to begin right. with so
0: well and, and that's okay too but that's that's again that's where the practice comes in mm. you know it's fun to get out and go on joyful trail rides and and you know me i love training performance horses and it's fun to do that sort of stuff that intrigues us and oftentimes it's very easy to forget some of the things that may be safety mechanisms in place for the horse's sake and the safety mechanisms in place for our sake. What are we going to do if something goes wrong? You remember, I know when I was a kid going to grade school, we practiced drills, mm-hmm. you know, everything from fire drills to tornado drills to, you know, different things. And, you know, there was a point in time that we had this thing in the world called the cold war. We were air raid drills. Yeah, Under air your ray desk. drills. <laughs> so we practice things and we practice those things just so that in case anything ever happened, we would have at least some sort of ideas to what to do in case of emergency when everything was really gone silly. So we have to, we, we, I think a lot of, there's a lot to be said for practicing those situations. Hopefully those things will never occur. Hopefully your horse will never bolt away.
1: And it would sure be nice to have the tools in place to deal with it. If it, because maybe someday you'll be riding somebody else's horse.
0: Absolutely. And you know what, in case in point, knock on wood, I've yet to have a horse that I've ever trained even try to bolt away with me. I've had people bring me horses that had learned to bolt as a way of being evasive. And we had to retrain those horses and we train them the same way we talked about earlier, which is ride every stride. Mm -hmm. The minute this horse goes one step faster than I've asked him to, I'm going to shut him down. And what I mean by shutting him down, I'm going to practice that one range stop. And I'm not practicing one range stop to punish or reprimand the horse. I'm training him to understand that every time you try to move your feet faster than I ask you to, I'm going to bring your body down to a stop. You're not going to get to rest. I'm just going to bring your body down to a stop. And we're going to take off again. And I'm going to give the horse the freedom to make that decision again. He may decide after a few short strides to take off at a trot or try to lope off. The first stride that he does it, I'm going to reach down and pick him up and turn him to the left this time. Let him go. The very first time he tries to take off again, I'm going to bend him around to the right. In other words, I'm not going to let him get the momentum up. I'm not going to let him get to the point to where he's, a runaway or that he's bolting. I won't let him get that far. Why? Because I'm paying attention to my horse. I respect the fact that he's already told me that might be his tendency to do. And as a result, he's never going to get that opportunity. Okay. Although I'm presenting him the opportunity, but the very moment he takes one step faster than I ask, I'm going to go back to the title of our of our podcast and say to the horse, ride every stride. Yeah. the very moment he gets one step out of control, I'm going to shut him down. I'm not going to wait for him to turn into a runaway. I'm not going to wait for him to, to start bucking with me. I'm going to shut him down the moment that uh, we take one stride that's not predictable.
1: Great advice. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up on uh, on this issue of bolting horses? I, I think you've pretty much covered it. But
0: Well, again, I just want to re- remind people that Oftentimes, when something really startles a horse in these types of situations, whether it be, you know, something natural out there making noises, something unnatural, such as a, a tractor or a car backfiring, balloons popping, who knows? But whatever stimulates that horse to think that he needs to bolt away, we have to understand, first and foremost, that's a very natural reaction. And because it is a natural reaction to him, then we have to kind of retrain that, taking from being a reactor to a responder. The other thing I want to tell people is practice. Practice getting the horse. Break those practice steps down into very doable, very achievable things, such as standing still and flexing your horse left or right. Then standing still, flex your horses to the, flex your horses left or right, and make his hips move the opposite direction. And reward him by dropping those cues and allowing him to be straight. Um, and then practice it at a walk. Practice it at a lope. Practice it at a trot. Do in other words, do all these things in practice so that when something truly does happen, we're prepared to take advantage of the tools that we've trained ourselves and trained our horses to do.
1: All right. Well, if you have questions about this topic or others, we'd sure love to hear what those are. Um, you can send us an email at info at and let us know what questions you have. And we'll be sure to address those in future episodes. You can also send your questions via Facebook. You can find us there at uh, Van Hargis Horsemanship on Facebook. And in addition to giving us your questions, you can also watch there for events and various things, uh, announcements of upcoming Van Hargis Horsemanship events. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I do always want to invite you, if you enjoy the podcast, if you think it's worthwhile, we'd love it if you would review the podcast in iTunes and or in Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it, you can find the place to do that by going to vanhargushorsemanshipcom slash iTunes or slash Stitcher. And it'll take you right to the place where you can both subscribe to the podcast, but also rate and review it that helps keep it more visible. And the feedback helps us know whether we're staying on track and addressing the things you care about. Uh, other than that, I would say we, we'd love to hear from you. Van is eager to answer your questions and, and respond to your comments. Any last words, Van?
0: Well, just to say this, Laura, I, I, and I mean this from the depths of my heart, thank you so much to the people who are listening now, and I appreciate those who were sharing the podcast with your friends and encouraging them to listen as well. And, um, and until next time, just remember, it's your trail, your journey, your life. So ride ever stride